Folks, let me give you some friendly advice. Do not be the creative who spends thousands and thousands of your hard-earned dollars on equipment each year without spending one penny on your marketing. If there's ever been a time to rise above the noise and do something just a little bit different to impress your leads and wow your clients, I would say now's that time. And my favorite way to do that is by leveraging print promotion using the photography that I am the most proud of. So our amazing friends at Bay Photo Lab have almost every product that you can think of, from magazines to photo books to promo cards that you can leave behind. And listen, if you just want something to dazzle your office or living space at home with, well, they have options for that too. You can get prints and wall displays from basically every style, from canvas to metal to acrylic. And the best part is you can get 25% off your first time order just by going to bayphoto.com, signing up today. They ship everywhere in the world, folks, and all their products look incredible. So do yourself a favor, start leaving an impact, whether it's for your personal memories at home or for your professional marketing at work. Bay Photo Lab, designed by photographers for photographers. You are listening to Entrepreneurs, a podcast that inspires photographers and visual artists to live their best creative lives. My name is Michael Durr. I am your host and a full-time photographer here to give you some tools so you can build your life in creative self-employment. Beyond that, I get to sit down with an amazing community of creative professionals to talk about process, business, and the lessons that have helped them grow. So let's get to it. Entrepreneurs Season 2, kicking off next. All right. Welcome, everybody. This is a great day. Thank you so much for tuning into uh, episode 57 of Entrepreneurs. My name is Michael Dirk. I'm your host. And uh, I hope you've had a great start to your day so far. And hopefully you'll have an even better rest of your day going forward. Now, for those of you who are loyal listeners to this show, I wanted to give you a couple quick updates for you. Number one, we are officially on Audible, which is the audiobook application, which is very, very cool. I don't even remember applying to get on Audible. But regardless, we're there. I love those guys. They're not a sponsor, but I do use them all the time to listen to my hundreds of audiobooks. And so if you have an Audible account and you felt like taking a break from your book, you can just pop on over to Entrepreneurs and listen to some of the episodes without leaving the platform. So that's update number one. Subscribe to us on Audible if you're an avid user. Update number two is Spotify now has a rating feature on their mobile app. All right. So I think about 15% of our audience uses Spotify to listen to our show. Most of it is on Apple. But if uh, you are listening to Spotify, if that's one of you, you can now easily hit the three little dots on our homepage and rate the show in just mere seconds. Okay, so if you'd like to support the channel, and you don't want to write an actual review, um, this is one of the easiest ways to help us out. So just food for thought, it's a soft plug, but I would certainly appreciate any love you sent our way. Just remember Spotify, you can now rate the show. All right, so now onwards and upwards. For those of you who don't actually know me very well, um, I do love photography. All right, I think that sometimes gets lost in translation because I'm so passionate about the business that people think I'm like an accountant or something. But really, I'm just like you. I'm a photographer first and foremost, right? So I did not fall in love with the business of photography. I fell in love with the art of photography. And in order to keep doing the art of photography, I had to become a student of the business by necessity. It was just survival instincts. But as I mentioned in the intro of the show, and I have been for the last year and change, the podcast is about inspiring you and myself to live our best creative lives. And so you can't just do that learning about taxes and operating expenses. So today is one of those special days where I felt like I could maybe take a step away from the pure business talk because we've done so much of that over the past 56 weeks and dive into a creative concept for once that I'm equally as passionate about, which is lighting theory. So today I'm going to give you my favorite lighting rule or favorite lighting law or principle or whatever you want to call it and explain how this one rule might be the only one you really need to know if you're starting out. 
Now, I did get inspiration for this episode from the amazing Lindsay Adler. She is one of my favorite all-time photographers and business owners in the game. And she called this rule the most important rule of lighting in her YouTube video, which I'm not that bold. I'm not going to say that it's the most important rule of lighting, but it is certainly my favorite one. So I'm just kind of rephrasing it because it's the most foundational and widely applicable rule in any setting to me. So I wanted to credit Lindsay for being a driving force behind this episode. It might seem like I'm just copying her, but I'm really not trying to. I just happen to agree with her take. And uh, this is the primary concept that I internalize during my own lighting process. And you're going to figure out why. Okay, so now before I give you this rule, I wanted to preface that you do not have to be a studio portrait photographer to implement this rule of lighting, even though I might cite examples in a studio setting. You can absolutely be a documentary photographer or a sports photographer or any photographer that uses available light only to apply this rule to your assignments. So I find that sometimes we assume that all lighting laws are only for studio photographers to leverage, but that's not always the case. And I'm going to give you some examples when you don't have any strobes or studio equipment. Now, in order to make this episode as easy as possible to digest, let's go over a quick glossary of a few key terms that I think you're going to need to know before I get into the rule. And I do apologize if you already know this, it might be common knowledge to you. I'll try to go over it very quickly. The first term is soft lighting. And in order to identify whether a light is soft, look for the shadows on your subject. It can be a person, it can be a product, it can be an overall scene like a landscape. Soft lighting has a very smooth transition, a very gradient transition between the light and the shadows. In fact, sometimes it is so smooth that the shadows can be indistinguishable from the light at times. The second term is hard lighting. So in order to identify what is hard lighting, once again, just look for the shadows on your subject. If the shadows have defined and crisp edges, it's more than likely hard lighting. The abruptness of the transition between light and shadow is what's creating that contrast over balance. And the third term I want to bring up is modifier. All right, so a modifier is what goes in between your light source and the subject. Sometimes natural, sometimes it's man-made, and it controls the mood of the lighting. So the benefit of a modifier, and there are tons of modifiers out there for all different types of needs, it has the ability to impact the size, the distance, the quality, and occasionally the power of your light source. So it's a very pivotal role in this whole aspect of creating mood in your imagery. All right, so presuming you've got a grasp on those terms, you will understand this rule a little bit better. And the rule is, the larger the light source in relation to your subject, the softer the light gets. All right, so I'll repeat that again. The larger the light source in relation to your subject, the softer the light gets. And yes, conversely, if you were to reverse that, the smaller the light source in relation to your subject, the harder the light gets. And so this is my favorite rule of lighting because I think it's not only the simplest method, it's also the most informative method, okay? So when I'm setting up a shoot, particularly portrait shoots, my first thought is mood. How do I enhance the mood? How do I maybe craft mood that isn't there? And just by understanding this rule, I'm able to work through my creative process to deliver that mood as best as I can. You know, that's all in my power. And after the subject itself, the best way to create mood in general is through lighting. So let's go through this for a second here. Let's say you're doing a close-up portrait and the style of the shoot is to give off a light and airy vibe. And you've determined that maybe you want less shadows, less wrinkles, less highlights on the subject's face. So you're thinking, okay, let's use soft light. That's what I want. And let's say you have a speed light in your arsenal and that's it. All right, so no problem. How do we achieve that? How do we get that soft light? Well, you have a few options based on the rule that I just gave you. So scenario one, we can move the light source closer to our subject, right? So a speed light is very small, but when you bring it closer to your subject, you are effectively making it bigger and therefore the shadows will become softer. Now, if you're already confused by this, Chances are you're thinking of light power or light exposure, not light quality. 
So yes, if you brought a flashlight closer to a subject, you will increase the brightness of the subject. But we also have ways to control the brightness by simply adjusting the power down or the light source down a little bit or adjusting the settings in your camera to get an accurate reading with no blown out highlights. What I'm referring to is not so much the brightness, but the softness of the light. Remember, soft light is really determined by that transition from light to shadow. It's a very soft, smooth, gradient transition. So by moving the light source closer to your subject, the transition will actually get smoother. The shadows will get lighter because the light source has effectively become bigger. And you know, if you've ever seen photographers move their light sources really close to their subjects, like, I mean, just barely out of frame, this is usually the case why. They're looking to soften the light. Now, what if you wanted more space in your frame and you didn't want a softbox directly next to a subject's face, right? Like if you wanted to do a full body shot of a person in a setting where you'd like to show off the whole location, right? Maybe it's a portrait of someone standing next to their car. Maybe it's a portrait of a, a vintner and you want to showcase the vineyard, but you simply can't have the softbox that close. You know, what can we do to still achieve that soft light? Well, that's where our second option comes in. Instead of moving the light closer, we can simply increase the size of the light source. So this is done by modifying the light to increase its size. So if we have that same speed light and we upgrade from, let's say, the dome diffuser that it comes with to a 30-inch softbox, then that becomes bigger. The light becomes softer. Now, what if we upgraded even more? What if we went to a 7-foot umbrella with diffusion? Then the light becomes softer again. And what if you said, okay, Mike, well, I want to go even further. I want to make it even softer. I want to get a 12-by-12-foot 12 scrim. Again, we've softened the light but maintained the integrity of the distance that we want to keep between our subject and our light source. Now, the last thing we can do to soften the light is just a combination of the two of them, right? We can increase the size of our modifier while also moving it closer. This will soften the light even more. So it's a combination of size of modifier and the distance and positioning of your light source to your subject, right? In relation to your subject. That can give you a ton of possibilities to craft the mood of your lighting. And that's what all of this is really about. It's about you gaining greater control over the mood that you want to create for your scene. So to emphasize how this rule works, let's do the opposite, okay? Let's say you want to create more contrast in a shot. You want to create crisper transitions, darker shadows, maybe more specularity on your subject. So you say, okay, let's go hard lighting. No problem. What can you do, right? It's the same options, just in reverse. So number one, you can move the light source farther away from the subject, thereby making it in relation to the subject a much smaller light source. A five-foot octabox 10 yards away is not going to be as soft as it would be if it were two feet from the subject. Number two, you can also modify the light to make it smaller. So instead of diffusing the light with that five-foot octabox, you can throw on a two-foot octabox or a grid or a snoot or a bare bulb. All of them will decrease the size of the light source given that the distance is the same. And of course, you can do number three, which is a combination of the two by moving it farther away, as well as decreasing the size of the modifier. Now, you might be asking yourself, what if you're not shooting with strobes or speed lights? How will understanding this law help? Well, the most used analogy, the most common one that I've heard, and the most on-point analogy at the same time, is that in reference to the sun. You know, the sun is this gigantic source of light. It's amazingly big. But to the point of this rule, the law of size relativity, because that sun is so far away from us, on a clear day, that sun is actually a very small light source. And so remember what the rule says, with small light sources, you get very hard light. It's why when you're out at high noon and you take a directly lit picture of someone, they have dark shadows under their eyes, their nose, their chin, and they have glaring highlights on their foreheads. But if the clouds came in, think about that. If you had this overcast covering the sky, you have effectively taken that small light source and turned it into a huge one with like this million foot by million foot scrim. So that huge light source becomes this very soft light source. It minimizes the harsh transitions between light and shadow. And so simply being aware of 
what your environment is giving you, what that light is providing you, you can make creative decisions off of any scenario. So you can either take what the light is giving you, or you can find ways to modify it to give you the mood that you're looking for. So let's think of another example here. Let's say it's a clear and sunny day. It's out at high noon, but you want soft lighting on your subject. So you don't have any speed lights or strobes to kind of combat that. So what are your options? So the first one I would say, and this is one of the most common choices, is to simply turn your subject away from the light, all right, away from the sun. And this is going to do a couple of things. For one, it's going to give your subject's face a very even lighting that has very smooth shadow transition because the light is really not hitting your subject directly. The second thing it does is it gives your subject a separation from the background with a, a very natural form of backlighting or rim lighting. Now, the only caveat to this is that if you expose for your subject, then the background typically gets blown out. And if you expose for the background, of course, your subject gets underexposed. So if you want to fix this in camera and not really rely on the magic of Lightroom or Photoshop presets, then you're going to need to punch in a little bit of fill light with a reflector of some kind. Now, sometimes you can't turn your subject away from the sun because you just have a scenario where you need that certain background, that specific background in the shot. So what you can do is face your subject to the sun using it as a key light and then place a non-strobed modifier such as a diffusion panel or a scrim next to your subject to increase the relative size of the light source, thereby softening the light while maintaining the integrity of your background. And so the last option I would suggest is to find shade, position your subject in it, but near the edge of the light, place them just out of the direct light so it feathers them with indirect light. All right, so that is a little bit confusing, but if you can learn how to feather light, it's one of my all-time favorite tactics. You should absolutely know how to use that to your advantage, whether it's artificially or with natural light. So now let's flip the script. Let's assume that you're not in high noon. You're in actually a very soft overcast day and you want to create a contrasted look. You want to create something very dramatic. How do we do this without the power of strobes? Well, in this sense, you're going to have to get a little bit creative with your positioning. So in my opinion, I'd probably avoid backlighting your subject because that can have a tendency to wash your image out. And so instead, I'd look to sidelight your subject to give a little bit more contrast. You know, look for angles that will create shadows, even though the sky is overcast and soft. And then furthermore, you can accentuate hard lighting with silver and gold reflectors to bounce at your subject. Now, again, positioning is going to be probably the most critical aspect of executing this properly. Now, the last thing I'm going to leave you with is a question that you should ask yourself during your shoots. And this goes for posed portraits. It goes for journalistic shoots. And the question is, why? Why are you defaulting to a specific tactic? Why are you shooting it this way? Why are you setting up the lights this way? Why did you choose this modifier? And if you can answer that question earnestly, then you're good to go in my opinion. But too often, I find that people will set up a portrait by grabbing a softbox, putting it down two feet in front of the subject at a 45 degree angle, and then just knocking something out. And when you ask them why, they may not have an answer. And I've also seen this in athlete portraits as well. Photographers will oftentimes set up two strip boxes with grids and place it on either side of the athlete with a beauty dish overhead. And again, when asked why, I've often heard crickets. To me, understanding the rules of lighting is very important, not for formula, but for finding and creating your own style. You know, as a rule of thumb, can you say soft lighting is better for portraits? Yeah, maybe, perhaps. But I don't know if I'd say universally yes. There are scenarios where you may go bare bulb and hard lighting. Likewise, there are scenarios where you may not want to default to hard lighting to create contrast. You know, my favorite athlete portraits that I've ever made have all been shot with the intentionality of using soft lighting. It seemed like everywhere I turned, I was seeing hard specular lighting on black backgrounds on every athlete portrait. And so to differentiate my work, I started shooting my athletes on five foot octoboxes close in. And there's no right or wrong. I just want you to challenge your conventional thoughts. You know, the more you know, the more you can stray from the norm. The more you can answer the why, the better path you're on. So learn the rule, practice the rule, and then know when to break the rule. So there you have it. That is my number one 
favorite lighting rule. I want to thank uh, Lindsay Adler for inspiring me to do this episode because I couldn't agree more. I think it's an important rule of lighting, but it just happens to be my favorite one because it's so applicable to every lighting setup that I use. So hopefully this helps you out. And if you enjoyed this episode, if you like more creative topics like this on the show, let me know. DM us on Instagram. Leave us a comment on Facebook, wherever you can find us. You know, Let me know if this content is something that you enjoy and if you'd like me to continue adding it to the slate. So that's going to do it for me today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Happy shooting. Have a great day. And I'll see you next week. What's up, entrepreneurs? Thank you for tuning in and making it all the way to the end of the episode. If you enjoyed the content you just listened to, hit subscribe and tune in again next week. Also, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Entrepreneurs Pod for updates, promos, and giveaway contests that we run throughout the year. And if you haven't already, be sure to check out our really cool website, EntrepreneursPod.com. It's a great resource for you to download informational PDFs and booklets, access discount codes from our amazing affiliates, and read what our audience is up to on our community blog. For now, I just want to say thank you for tuning in, supporting the show, and being a part of this journey. This is Michael Durr signing off for now, Entrepreneurs Season 2. Let's go. This episode of Entrepreneurs was brought to you by Bay Photo Lab. First-time orders receive 25% off on any professional photo printing product or service. Yes, I said 25%. Just go to bayphoto.com to browse the amazing selection of gifts, prints, and displays. That's bayphoto.com once again. Thank you all for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.